so this is your first time doing a podcast? Have you done one before? Yes, this is my first time Are you excited? Ever. I am, uh, yeah, this is <laughs> in, pretty cool. I'm in yeah. awe of the Lady Jane <laughs> studio. <laughs> Yeah. You should be. This is crazy. I'm getting ADD a little bit. That's why I said no to the coffee earlier. I knew yeah. this was going to be overwhelming. Yeah. So. I got to turn my ringer off. That's smart. Okay. So what time? I don't know. I should leave by 45. Like be out of this room by 45 at the latest. For sure. Probably No, 40. I mean, you can walk over there in five minutes. What are you talking about? I can't figure out how far it is where I'm at. It's, super <laughs> close. it's two blocks. I don't want to walk. You need 15 minutes to walk two blocks? Maybe. <laughs> I was going to drive and park closer, so I don't have to walk back here okay. afterwards. So I'm really excited for today's show because uh, it, was, uh, it was a concept sent in by a listener, and uh, it's about uh, companies' uh, brand integrity. We have listeners. <laughs> we so, do. A couple. <laughs> there's, there's some statistics out there to show. So. <laughs> I'm Mike Broadwell. I'm here with Jim Bentley. We're the Marketing Tools, and today's show is about um, your brand your brand integrity and how consumers perceive you. And it was written in by Anne, one of our listeners. Welcome to the show, Anne. Hi, everybody. Thanks for, thanks for doing this. And yeah, I'm, thank I, you, Anne. I'm extra excited that she's here because she's our first international guest. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, fresh pick off up. the boat. <laughs> <laughs> if you pick up the accent, Anne's, Anne's not American. She's German. Um, but br- brand integrity is, is your image and reputation, and it's how you're perceived out there. So you probably... Um, think brand integrity is a really boring topic, but it's not. And uh, our guest today who wrote well, in is going to Let them to be the about. judge of that. Okay, All right. The listeners? Okay, man. All right. <laughs> no, it'll be good. So, Anne, so since you've heard the show, do you want to hear the definition of integrity? So, before we start? I'd love to. So, from our go-to Urban Dictionary, integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody's looking. Pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. So, in a sentence, Jimmy showed his integrity by not looking at the answers to the test when every other cheating bastard in the class was <laughs> passing them out. <laughs> if that's Poor about Jimmy. me, that's untrue. <laughs> Jimmy. I was cheating, too. <laughs> <laughs> Did kids call you Jimmy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, my family still does. Really? Mom, aunts and uncles, cousins. Yep. So, brand integrity, it's always doing the right thing for your brand, even when no one's looking, just making sure you do the right thing. So and you, when you build a brand, people trust a certain level of product or service quality in that brand. And it doesn't mean that it has to be good or bad necessarily, to air quotes, um, because when you go to a McDonald's, you expect a different level burger, right, than if you go to a Gordon Ramsay's burger. Or Red Coat. Or Red Coat for, <laughs> for all <laughs> That's of what us. I had yesterday for lunch. Would you say brain integrity is cohesion as well? Yeah, yeah, because McDonald's, they are, you know, they're obsessed with consistency and having, you know, and that's part of their brand is what that, that burger is. And it's not comparable to a Gordon Ramsay's burger, but it's, you're not disappointed when you go to McDonald's but it's, and it's it doesn't McDonald's taste like it's a McDonald's burger. That. That's what you expect it to taste like. Mm-hmm. And I love it that way. I don't want it any different. I, I, I like the definition. I'm, I'm, I agree. And, and I, I think, you know, Anne, you're here, you wrote in, you thought it was interesting of what's going on. And we're going to get to that one. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to do it just yet because I've got a setup for this. Are there McDonald's in Germany? Yeah, they are. I would assume they're, and <laughs> they're everywhere. And you can buy beer at the German what? McDonald's, yes. Oh, boy. Wait a minute. We're in the wrong country. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's great beer, but you can buy beer. <laughs> But they have beer. Huh. Beer Seems is like beer. A, that would be such an American thing to have beer. Yeah, well, remember Taco Bell tried to do it in yeah. Royal Oak and it didn't, didn't Th- pan out. There are some Taco Bell cantinas that have beer, so... Um, anyway, so what your brand represents is your brand integrity, and you need to make sure that you're delivering it every time. Uh, you work so hard to get your brand to 
to mean what it means to people, then it's, it's so easy to ruin and it can be messed up in some of the tiniest ways. So it's important to resist the urge to extend your business into areas where you can't provide the same level of expectations. And in uh, my favorite book that I talk about a lot, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. Oh, you got it back. <laughs> I brought the book with me. I hope I can read today. Because it was I, on my desk for a while. <laughs> um, the authors, they don't have one rule about brand, that applies to brand integrity. They have several. Um, but I'm just going to talk about two right now real quick. And one is the law of line extension. And I'm going to read what they say. Uh, if violating uh, any of our laws was a punishable offense, a large portion of the corporate America would be in jail. For the far most violated law in our book is the law of line extension. What's even more di diabolical is line extension is a process that takes place continuously with almost no conscious effort on the part of the corporation. It's like a closet or desk drawer that fills up with no effort on your part. So here, let's, I'm going to read some of the, uh, their uh, little well, can, graphic. Can you explain line extension a little yeah, more? Or yeah. is that coming? So yeah, their little, <laughs> their little graphic is of 7up. Mm -hmm. And it shows 7-Up uh, Cherry, 7-Up Gold, 7-Up Diet, 7-Up Diet Cherry, 7-Up Diet Gold. So that's, you know, 7-Up ex oh, expanding okay. the line. I see. Um, I see. So their, their first example is uh, IBM. IBM was focused on mainframe computers. They were doing great. They had revenues of $65 billion, um, But they wound up losing $2.8 billion, billion, billing, billion. <laughs> Um, even in 1991, when they when they earned when they didn't earn when they had revenues of 65 billion, they lost 2.8 billion because they were expanding into all these other areas, making copy machines, trying to make cameras. Huh. Um, they've got a whole so other technology, other technology but, but that was really just limping along. Computers was there. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. where it's yeah. at for them. Right. So I'm going to throw out, and so I want Ann's opinion on some of these, uh, especially this first one. So Adidas comes to mind. German company, right? Yeah. They make fine soccer boots. <laughs> boots. Beautiful ones. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You win world championships with those. Yes. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not that you guys can yeah, relate. Yeah, you steal but the Polish just... players. That's why. <laughs> Some of the biggest German players are I'm part Polish. And I'm a soccer player, too. So. There you are. Well, <laughs> I pay attention. All you need is some Adidas shoes, and you're good to go. <laughs> yep, I do. <laughs> so what does this say about Adidas uh, brand integrity that they make Adidas cologne? You know, I think uh, in Germany, actually, they are much more than just a sports brand. They are uh -huh. a lifestyle brand. Sure. And I think that's where, where this comes in. Uh, yeah. Personally, um, I'm not a fan, but yeah. uh, I mm -hmm. can see where this well. is coming from. And I think... A lot of these sports brands nowadays are lifestyle brands. If yeah. you look at Puma, um, Nike, so, Under Armour. So you would, you would yeah. buy your husband Adidas cologne? No, I would not. But that, <laughs> <laughs> that has more Jim, to if do it's Christmas morning and you open up a, a box of Adidas cologne from the kids. I you? really wouldn't care, really. I'd be okay with it. It probably no, smells good, but it, it, it doesn't does. have that, you know, it doesn't come <laughs> off like a polo or Ralph Lauren or I don't know, mm -hmm. something... That sounds expensive. But yeah. You right. buy your nephew Adidas cologne. I think the target group is like a, yeah. you know, 14-year-old. It's a teenager. Uh, for sure. yeah. yeah. And it's cheaper. It's more affordable for them. For sure. So here, let me throw out a couple more. Uh, Pierre Cardin clothing. Pierre Cardin wine. Any interest? You had me at wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree about, there. <laughs> okay. I know. Hey, I think you guys are both smokers. You have no, a big lighter? Yeah, Bic's the best lighter. Bic by Bic far. Great lighters. How about um, Anne? Have you ever invested in Bic pantyhose? 
What? They really do pantyhose? I have, they really but do. they were big. <laughs> well, they do pens as well. They do, right? Yeah, good yeah. pens. Yeah, but I like. I love their. I only buy big lighters. Yeah, All I right. buy the other ones. They, there's still stuff in there, and they they don't work. One more Heinz ketchup. Everybody knows and loves that. Heinz baby food. Hmm. Is it as appealing as a, a brand like Gerber that's known for baby food? Not, and I have a baby on the way. I would, I would go for Gerber. I would go. Yeah. That's what I always have. I didn't even know they did baby food. All right. Well, I don't know. Do you go for Gerber with the first baby. The second, though. Yeah, you're right. Does that get Heinz? <laughs> yeah. But you know what? You're right because I have right? a second, too. Yeah. And I don't remember what the hell we gave him. <laughs> we just gave him whatever. He survived. So <laughs> the, the next law that really applies, in my mind, to brand integrity from their book is the law of success. And success, you know, leads to arrogance and arrogance leads to failure. And you guys, you're going to love, this book was written in 1993, but you're going you're gonna to love <laughs> where this goes. Um, this is word for word, page, page 105 of the book. When people become successful, they tend to become less objective. They often substitute their own judgment for what the market wants. Donald Trump. I'm really rich. <laughs> is one of the examples of people blinded by early success and untainted humility. Remember, this was written in 1993. Then there's something wrong with you. You're certainly not very good. Yeah. <laughs> when you're blind, it is indeed hard to focus. Mr. Trump's strategy was to put his name on everything, committing the cardinal sin of line extension. I just sold an apartment for $15 million to somebody from China. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we first met Donald Trump, his opening remarks to us were how people accuse him of having a big ego. He went on to state to the fact that it was totally untrue. He did not have a big ego. All the while, he was, it was hard to avoid noticing the giant T sitting on the floor next to his desk. And I made a lot of money in Atlantic City, and I'm very proud of it. <laughs> Just him saying, if you say, I don't have an ego, and I can imagine him saying, it kind of yeah. tells me you have an ego. Yeah. <laughs> You're fired. Success is often the fatal element behind a rash of line extensions. When a brand is successful, the company assumes the name is the primary reason for the brand's success, so they promptly look for other pro products to plaster the name on. It's actually the opposite. The name didn't make the brand famous. You know, what the product did and its quality is what made it famous, and that, that's what made the name famous, you know, versus so, the name making the product famous. Does it have examples of the other things Trump did? Was it, did he do, I oh. want to say water, or I don't know, I could be way off on that, but... No, it goes into other examples in the book. The book's it's great because it's so short and easy to read. Um, Good bathroom book, huh, Ann? Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> you don't it's, want to talk about that? It's <laughs> nah, it doesn't. Okay, I'm trying to see if I can find it. But, I mean, book. I remember Trump. He had a board game. He had he has all kinds of clothing. Oh, yeah, the like clothing. His, I forgot about clothing. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and he was a real estate guy. So. Or so he'd like you to believe, anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's an article about uh, before he ran for office, he made millions off his brand. Now his merchandise empire is virtually gone. And I made mm -hmm. a lot of money in Atlantic City, and I'm very proud of but it. But it's going to take me a while to go through 19 companies that were paying him to produce or distribute Trump-branded consumer goods. Yeah. That's that a good point, though. I wonder, with uh, the approval ratings the way they are on him, whether or not that would hurt any of his business ventures. Yeah, I actually yeah. read um, an article today that are like the 10... Most, I can't remember the, if it was called the most mistrusted or the most, you know, whatever, distrusted brands. And Trump was listed in the, as like number three or four. Look, here's sunglasses. <laughs> he did wine. Trump wine, yeah. 
Uh, whatever. She yeah. Can, she can get out of here. For the record, I don't want that wine. You're not a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. You already said you had You're me more interested in the Pierre Cardin wine. <laughs> Oh, there, there's a bunch of exceptions that we'll, we'll talk about. There's always, there's an exception to every rule, and, the, and they write that in the book and talk about that. So um, we're not going to break all that down in a 20-minute podcast. Why not? But, okay, next no, week. No, kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, our tip of the week is you got to be really careful if you try and extend your brand and make sure you can still provide the same level of expectation when you do that. And so let's go on to our, uh, my favorite part of the show where we get to judge some past or present campaigns and here's where the here's where the setup comes from <laughs> and we're going to start with are either of you old enough to remember the cadillac cimarron yes and no 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 is that early well, late 80s you probably wouldn't be here when the cimarron yeah in 1982 cadillac brought out a, a car a front front wheel drive car on the same platform as the chevy cavalier and the pontiac sunbird and they called it the Cimarron, equipped with a 1.8 liter four-cylinder engine that produced 88 horsepower. <laughs> Pretty good on gas. <laughs> so yeah, Cadillac, a company that's known for big V8s and luxury cars, brings out basically, I'm going to show you guys a picture of it, and we'll post this on the Facebook and stuff. They bring out a Chevy Cavalier with a Cadillac grill. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it really is. So there's is. the Cavalier on the one side, and there's the Cimarron on the other. So you probably thought uh, we're gonna have a, we're gonna be able to sell this for more, and it doesn't cost as much. We're gonna make some money off this. Yeah. So to differentiate it, here I've got it right here. Um, it was the first Cadillac uh, since 1914 to have an engine smaller than a V8. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. And here I, I lost my page on where. Here it is. So in an effort to differentiate the Cimarron from the Chevy Cavalier, they put in standard equipment that included. Air conditioning, leather seats, cassette player, alloy wheels, power mirrors, and full instrumentation, including a tachometer. What year was that again? <laughs> 1982. I mean, that sounds like pretty decent uh, setup, though, for the 80s. Yeah. Though. Well, I mean, but it's still a Cavalier with yeah. air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Which you seats. can get in a Cavalier. It just right. cost you it more. It was just an right? option. But they made it in the Cimarron. It was standard equipment. So, um, brilliance, blur. Boner. I, I call this a boner. Uh, <laughs> know who you are and uh, don't turn off the people that like you by uh, chasing after some segment in the, of the market that an accountant tells you you should go for, but uh, you just make yourself a laughing stock. Yeah. yeah. And it only, la and I agree 100%. I mean, it's, it's a boner for sure. And it looks like it only went through 88, maybe. So you made it for about six years, something like that. So the Cimarron's market failure is one of a series of events throughout the 80s and 90s, which caused Cadillac's share in the market to decline Ooh. from 3.8 in 1979 to 2.2 2 by 1997. Have they ever recovered? What are they at? Today. Uh, I mean, no, I'm asking you that you don't know, but no. I may be able to look that up quickly. Uh, noted automotive journalist Dan Neal included Cimarron in his 2007 list of worst cars of all times, saying it was a flagrant insult to the good name and fine customers of Cadillac. He added that Cimarron nearly killed Cadillac and remains its biggest shame. You know what's funny? I don't see their market share, share but an article from about a year ago, March 23rd, 2018, Cadillac is reinventing its entire lineup after years of losing U.S. market share. This was the beginning so, of it. <laughs> that, that could have been the cause yeah. of it. 
it, it devalued what a Cadillac is for six years, and then it continued because people remember that car. Forbes placed it on their list of legendary car flops. Uh, car Buzz called it a textbook example of what goes wrong when a car maker tries to badge and engineer an economy car into a luxury car. Um, author Hannah Elliott said it appealed to neither Cadillac loyal followers or those who appreciated powerful V8s and Cadillac's domestic luxury edge. CNN uh, described Cimarron as, in all respects, a Chevy Cavalier, <laughs> <laughs> but with thousands added to the price tag. It was neither a good Cadillac nor a value. And um, f- finally, and that's part of the thing too. You pay for what you get. Mm-hmm. So you pay for a Cadillac. You expect the car to last. You expect <laughs> everything to work. But if you're buying a Cavalier for more money, so apparently the product director at Cadillac was fired. <laughs> why? And, and they br- no. <laughs> does it say why? <laughs> and, uh, and they brought on this guy John Howell, uh, so the next production director of Cadillac, and he posted a picture of the Cimarron on his wall with a caption under it that said, "Lest we forget." So. Lest we forget, that, that segues us into what Anne wrote us about, <laughs> which is um, her friends at Volkswagen own another company called Bentley that, I like that luxury name. car people That's are familiar my last with. name. I don't know if you know. Yeah. <laughs> I picked up on that. <laughs> okay, good. So, so Anne, tell us what's going on here at Bentley right now. And before, should we watch the ad first or should we talk? Let's, let's tell people what, what's going on here. Yeah. So... I actually got turned on to this ad by a friend of mine who works for Bentley. And mm-hmm. he sent me this ad, super proud. Hey, look at this. This is our newest model. And, um, and they are showing the chief designer, director of design of Bentley. And he's explaining what he's doing and why he's doing it. But all I can focus on is the guy talking. And um, I'm sure you guys all know <coughs> Bentley is a luxury brand located in the UK. Yep. Uh, has quite the history, and then maybe we should play it. So yeah, I looked up the base price of this car. Is the base price of this this car in this ad is two hundred and eighteen thousand mm. dollars? Yeah, like we base are talking luxury, yes. handmade. Yeah. These yep. cars are not made on an assembly line. These cars are handmade by little happy British people. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did watch a video on that too. I was in there. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Okay. They weren't all British though. <laughs> well, they may not look it, but yeah. their passport probably says Oh, yeah, so. yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they didn't all have English accents, but neither does this guy. So let's play the ad. The new Bentley Continental GT is designed from a traceable bloodline that runs through the family. It's instantly recognizable as a Continental, while still clearly defining a new form language for Bentley. In both the surfacing and the details, we have been inspired by a wealth of beautiful crafted objects, creating a car that defines modern British luxury. Kill it right there. <laughs> right <laughs> when he says British luxury, I'm like, why is this guy in yeah. the commercial? And that's exactly what I thought. And yeah. This is really a beautiful car. Now, whether yes. or not it needs to cost a quarter of a million dollars is a different well, question, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's amazing. And uh, people pay it. <laughs> when I look at this car, do I really want to have the voice of a Jetta in my head? Because that's what yeah. this guy sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. He is a middle-aged white German guy that looks like he should be driving a Jetta and picking up his kids from daycare. Yeah, yeah. Now imagine this ad and just uh, pretend that Sean Connery does the voice. Yeah, and he's got you know his Sean Connery thing going on. Yeah. And 
that's what should have happened here. And uh, I, it's great, dude. You are now the chief of design at Bentley. You made it out of your hick town in Germany. Fantastic. <laughs> but man, hire a voiceover, seriously. Yeah, and the, because the content is good, but it's lost in, in translation in that and just the accent. That's, right. that's all it it's takes. And the law of ego to me because they think, yes. oh, we're so good at this, so we can, we can be the voiceover too. We can be, you know. I can do it all. <clears throat> I can do it all. And no, you can't. <laughs> no. And, you know, I think a German accent is great. I love them. Sure. Yeah, I even, definitely. I, <laughs> I even developed one just because. But, <laughs> yeah. but man, I think it's just a gross mismatch between what the brand is supposed to be, what people are paying for when they buy one of these babies, and what what you associate. But yeah, I totally agree with you, Mike. I think this is an absolute ego thing. I know that uh, Volkswagen is really trying to Volkswagenize the whole Bentley organization, and I think that's just a, yeah. a big symptom. We need here. we need Anne to read this one because I, oh, which I could try reading it. Bentley belongs to VW Group now. Deutschland, Deutschland Uber. Uber alles. Uber alles, what's that Germany mean? over everything. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it being no. a Volkswagen, but no. y you still, when I think of a Volkswagen, I think of a Jetta, I think of the Beetle, you know. Right. Or, it's yeah. just, it, it For doesn't a short time, like with Ford owned Jaguar. Yeah. And they never, it's still, when the ads, you still heard a Jaguar, you know. It, yeah. was, it still You're sounded right. British. <laughs> Jaguar. Yeah. <laughs> and and they, they had that. A lot of those ads had that. And it definitely sounds, especially to people in the United States, that British accent sounds luxurious. It sounds expensive. Yes. Um, exactly. Just and by the, hearing them talk. And you're right. The, the, the German accent itself doesn't sound like luxury. It sounds yeah. more... What I, th what I think of an Audi or BMW, like hard line, something that is... Reliable yeah. and hardworking. Right. And, you can you know, feel the bumps. Yeah. When you drive a BMW, you feel the road under you. Right. You know, when you drive a Bentley, you don't want to feel anything. It's like you're sitting, you know, you want to feel like you're sitting in bed, right? Or on the toilet. Uh, <laughs> for you. <laughs> Wait, no, no. Because then my legs are getting numb. I don't want to do that. So <laughs> I, I, I call this a blunder. As far as the, the, the commercial goes, not the car itself. The car is, I'm sure, amazing. <laughs> the, yeah, the car is yeah. great. And I would um, say, I would put it in the middle, too, or a blur. Yeah. Well, I, Are you, you're saying a boner? I th of all these videos, there was uh, at least three that I watched uh -huh. that were all voiced and led by someone with a, th a German accent. And I think if, if your host is, is a British, you know, you said somebody, Sean and maybe they ask or, a question, say, here's our, here's our engineer, and they ask him a question, and they have that guy answer the question. I think that's okay. But making him the spokesperson person for this uh, doesn't work for me. No, I'd it rather It doesn't hear. work for Anne. She's, she likes yeah. the car and, <laughs> and, and the for, company, right? For and, everybody who's getting ready to write an email, I know Sean Connery is uh, actually from Scottish. Scotland. Yes. But I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going with somebody who is uh, exuberating class. Part of the British so, Empire. Yes. Yeah. Counts. Keep your head mail. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll forward it all to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then you can, you can argue back. <laughs> And so, all right, let's do uh, one other, and I'll let you guys be the judge of this one. I know you're both coffee drinkers. Um, <laughs> Jim's got one right in front of him. And Starbucks. In 2009, Starbucks launched Via, their instant coffee product. It was a little packet. You just dump it into warm water, stir it, and you have instant coffee. I'll let you take it first, Anne. I hate it. If... If I want anything instant, then I'm going for the coffee machine, whatever 
I if I'm looking for a good coffee, I grind my beans fresh, mm-hmm. I do a pour over, I'm looking for a good cup of coffee. Anything that comes in a package that's freeze-dried and yep. uh, uh, just shake and make it a drink, not my thing at it, all. It doesn't mesh at all. Beca- I because think of instant coffee, I think of Folgers, yeah. shitty coffee. Maxwell House. <laughs> it's nothing I want to drink. Um, that's something that ties you over until you get a real cup of coffee. Right, right. Yeah, and, and then so Starbucks works so hard to build this brand of the best like you go, you know a lot of people call it five bucks because you know yeah. it's because it's so yeah. expensive to go in and just get a black coffee but they built it on that it's this great hot it's, cup it's of the best coffee fresh or that's what coffee they, you're gonna get yeah yeah that's what the brand is for the average person i mean obviously there's better coffee out there but in terms of stopping on your way to work starbucks is one of the better cups of coffee you can get um but yeah it just it doesn't big boner for me because that doesn't mesh yeah, and I, I tried to find numbers on what's so happening. So they don't do it, it anymore, I'm assuming. Well, they they kept it going. Um, by 2011... It was um, struggling. It was struggling, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it says uh, Americans avoided it because of poor taste and quality. Um, it didn't... So it didn't tr- transform well. Uh, the instant co- coffee category has, has been decreasing over time. Uh, because consumers expect more for their money and they're not willing to spend their money on instant coffee. Um, so, But now, just a few months ago, Nestle bought Starbucks retail arm for $7.15 billion. So it's hard for Ooh. me to say this is a total boner. Because, which, so they bought, I'm going to read, Nestle uh, gained control of Starbucks retail line, including Seattle's Best Coffee, Starbucks Reserve, uh, Tivana, Yep, that's what I was looking at in terms of tea. That's tea. And Starbucks via instant coffee. All their packaged coffee lines. Because I, like the, I like their tea as well. Their passion fruit tea. I don't know if it's Tivana or what it is, but so, I think of Starbucks, I think of coffee. But. Yeah, so, so Nestle paid $7.15 billion to, to get those, all those brands away from Starbucks. Uh, it did not include their Frappuccinos and all their ready-to-drink products, which yep. are already in partnership with Pepsi. Which are not my favorite. Either. So Starbucks offed <laughs> that for a lot of money in the billions, but is it a good is it a good marketing move for them because they just gave up control of it? Now Nestle owns it. Nestle's going to put it out there on shelves, and it's still out there. It's, so it's still out there, and people it's, it's still attached. out there. I tried to uh, Google uh, Starbucks via reviews, and almost every one star I found or every one I found was people complaining that it was expired. Oh so, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I found like shelves, hundreds. Obviously. I found hundreds of complaints that I bought Starbucks via and got it, and it was at way past the expiration <laughs> it's from date. 2009 because they didn't sell any. <laughs> I think that is the case, uh, it, you know. So, but you know, I couldn't find anyone really. So, so you're saying Nestle owns Starbucks? It, does it actually yeah. say Starbucks via on it, or does it say mm-hmm. something different? So they're giving Nestle control of something in their brand. It'd be like, yeah. Volkswagen saying we have Bentley here. We're going to sell it to Chevy, and still it's still a Bentley. Well, it's different. Let's say we, they sell the Jetta to right. um, to GM. Terrible it's analogy, just, but well, I don't keep know. Going. Both bad. Whatever you You're get it, fine. it doesn't match up with it. It doesn't work. Yeah. And then who knows? Then Chevy decides they screw something up, and mm-hmm. then the Jetta brand is completely out the window. Do you think? Uh, these coffee pots that you put in like a Keurig are part yep. of this whole lineup yeah. and that's why Nestle went for it? It and is. Actually, okay. that was the first line and I had skipped over. So, so, so the release confirmed Starbucks <laughs> and Espresso pods. 
Yep. Used for the push button espresso machines. Okay. Yep. So yeah, Nestle. So Nestle owns all. I mean, Nestle owns dozens or hundreds of brands. I don't even know. You know, yeah. you could probably look it up. So all the, all the Starbucks Starbucks retail stuff is now underneath the Nestle umbrella. So huh. I wonder if that Via was just the you know the little brother you had to carry along in order to be able to take out. Yeah, I the think big they just sister. didn't want to admit <laughs> admit that they screwed up. Yeah. And, and they kept pushing it, and then no one was. The production had to be low because, really, if you it, go to Amazon and try and find reviews of it or Google or anything, and you'll see a bunch. Hey, I just bought some and it was expired. That's not a good sign. <laughs> no, because coffee <laughs> expiration dates aren't like next week. And to see <laughs> multiple ones that say that. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, I'm surprised that they care. I mean, if you buy freeze-dried coffee, really, you're worried about the expiration date? Come yeah, on. Good point. <laughs> very good point. <laughs> Talking about integrity. Well, here. but if you have an expiration date, you, you know you have it for a couple of, you, You're expecting that coffee to last a long time. So. But I think people <laughs> saw the Starbucks name. Yeah. So they saw, I'll, I'll yeah. try this because it's going to be something better than Maxwell House. Than it's going to be something it's better. Right. And then they got it. And <laughs> People are like, no, it's kind of the same. <laughs> <laughs> instant coffee is instant coffee, no matter what name you slap on it. Mm -hmm. So we do have a listener question. What? It's kind of a long one, but I'll, I'll stumble through said. it. <laughs> I'll, I will stumble through it. Hey, uh, Jim and Mike, I'm not sure how I found your show, but I clicked on it one day and it kind of amuses me. So <laughs> thanks <laughs> like for that. Get, yeah, is, that a, is that a compliment or I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So I'd like to get your take on a promotion I'm thinking about running. I own a print shop that does mostly custom clothing to area businesses and to teams. I'm pretty much the only game in town, so I get most of the local team school uniform orders, and we print a ton of company clothing for restaurants and bars in the area. Currently, my business is getting chipped away at by online companies like Vistaprint and Custom Inc. If people shop them, I can't compete on price without giving away all of my margin. I'm finding that I'm doing more jobs for smaller margins to keep up. My idea is to expand into a business, uh, expand my business into doing signs. On a recent trip to Fort Lauderdale, I saw a business called Signs in a Flash, and I thought with a little new tooling and inventory, I could print signs easily. My promotional idea is to give four to five free spirit signs to any team with orders of $500 or more um, to get the word out that we're now doing signs. What do you think? Thanks in advance for any advice you could give. They didn't give a location or name, but thanks for the question. Hmm. Let's call him uh, um, Biff. Biff. Yeah, I like that name. How do you know we'll it's a guy? <laughs> I don't. I'm just going to say it's Biff. Okay. <laughs> I'm going with Biff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Biff. Well, what do you what do you think, Ann? I have an opinion. I'm going to let you go first. I, uh, I'm actually even wondering if it's a smart decision or not. Science? I don't... Um, should should he maybe stick to his guns and and uh, yeah. perfect on his uh, merchandise overall? I'm I'm really torn. But then again, I don't know nothing about the industry, so I might com be completely it, off base. Well, we know it sounds like he's in a pretty small town because uh, he's the only print shop in town that's doing clothing. So, but is there an, is there another uh, sign store in town, or are people traveling to the next town to get oh, their signs? Are they ordering yeah. them? I don't yeah. know. And so if he already has a lot of accounts with local teams, there may be some opportunity there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I, I guess my advice, too, based on that, would be before you before you dive in all the way, you need to find out if there's that need for them. Talk to those teams. If you have those relationships. Right. If if there's a need for it, there it, it may be worth doing. But but I know right my when, when he says spirit thought, signs, I know exactly what he's talking about because you see him all the time. Yeah. You know, like 
you'll see like you know in people's front yard go titans yeah you know? but my initial thought is to stick stick with what you're good at stay on point stay with your brand of you know like you said shirts stuff like that because and it reminds me of a little bit just based on he's having a hard time biff is having a hard time <laughs> competing and, and losing margins lowering prices do you remember quiznos and subway yes. And Subway coming in with a $5 foot long, and Quiznos tried to compete with price as opposed yeah. to sticking to being their product. And, and yeah. their product is superior. Yeah, or, and it or, burned them, and it, it ran. Yeah, yeah, because then you lose it. You, you have to stick. I mean, that's your your business, your product, and and you have to stand by the quality of it. And I wouldn't I wouldn't start competing with prices, especially with bigger companies, mm-hmm. if that's who's coming in to. Yeah, I would try and figure out what what your value proposition is and why, and, and be. Do you say why? Why I would run the the <laughs> a campaign or somehow get the word. However, you're getting the word out, going to people and saying, "Hey, I'm your local provider. The money's staying in this town. You're employing people that you're work in this town. You're seeing me face to face. We yes. can go out and have lunch or a drink or dinner, and, whatever it may be." And he's saying an order size of five hundred dollars. So <clears throat> is the difference if someone's going to VistaPrint or? custom ink are they saving 100 bucks 50 bucks and is it worth 50 bucks right you know it's worth those extra 50 dollars to sit down with me and i come yeah. up with a solution that's um, a lot of what i would push too if if, if he like say if i screw it up i'm gonna fix it and i'm gonna fix it and have it to you by tomorrow custom yeah. ink isn't gonna ship shirts from it's gonna take a week or two possibly i mean mexico or wherever they're shipping them from and get them to you by tomorrow i will i'll stay overnight and print them or whatever yeah. maybe maybe that could be part of your hook maybe you could um, become the fastest provider and, and forget the price part. You, if you need shirts tomorrow, come here. If you need, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I agree. I think maybe focusing on the experience of the whole process rather than the price is uh, probably the yeah. smarter way to go because you will not be able to compete on price with, with the, somebody right. out of the internet. And the sign part, it's still, it's printing to printing, but it's printing a different thing. So as far as line extension, I would... If you if you want to open a, a sign shop and your town needs a sign shop, go for it. But I wouldn't make it part of the apparel business that you have. Um, and it's common sense to say don't go all in without without going a little deeper and finding out, you know, mm-hmm. doing some research, obviously. But you know, like talk to your contacts, talk to your you know the people you work with, and if that's something they need or could benefit from, then maybe you could be their guy for that too. Yeah. So that's the show. Our tip was. Don't, don't violate your, your brand's integrity. Don't ruin it by violating the law of line extension or the, the law of ego. And um, if you like the show, send us a question like Ann did. Yeah. And now she's sitting we right here. She's sitting here at Lady Jane's in Birmingham. They will fly you out to Birmingham, I promise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll fly you right out here. <laughs> <laughs> Flew Ann all across continents to get her here. Yeah. Um, so that's the show. If you have a question, email us at themarketingtoolspodcast at gmail.com. And our, our Twitter got up over 500 today. Oh, it did? More than 500, yeah. I should say. No way. So, yeah, so thanks. So follow us at marketingtoolsp. Not P-E-E. <laughs> Is that what you were waiting for? For yeah. me to say, make sure it's not marketingtoolsp-e-e. Waiting for your, for your <laughs> No, it's just marketingtools, the letter P. And uh, Twitter, and thanks for listening. That's it. Will you do it again, Ann? Anytime. Come up, come up with another topic. Next we'll time I want first class, though. First class, okay. <laughs> well, even since we talked about coffee, we have Birmingham Roast right here. Yeah. That's awesome. That's coffee. what I just, I just pounded one during yes. the whole show. Thanks, everybody. See you.